when I'm giving criticism, you know, or quote feedback, you know, it's a fine line between feedback and criticism, right? Like, okay, let me just think like, what's beneath the surface? What's going on here right now? Like, is this for them? Like, is this really something in me that I'm actually needing to look at and I'm just projecting it onto them? Welcome everybody to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Hey, hey, welcome everybody to this episode of Dealing with Criticism. And I have a conversation with a returning guest, very good friend of mine and colleague, Coy Costanzo. Yeah, we go to many places about dealing with criticism, the difference between criticism and complaints, and also how to combat criticism in your relationships, and maybe some of the origins of where criticism comes from in a person. Some people have more tendency to be more critical. So if you haven't listened to, oh, over a dozen podcasts with Corey, I'll tell you a little bit about him. He is a licensed addiction counselor, a licensed massage and bodywork therapist. He is the co-owner of Still Point Wellness Spa here in Asheville, North Carolina. He is a trauma specialist and a somatic experiencing practitioner. And I just got to put the shout out that I, I love Corey. <laughs> I love you, brother, if you're listening. I love our friendship. I love our collegiate way that uh, we share our work. And you have so much passion for your work. And you're so kind uh, with people and how you talk about uh, people's challenges and the empathy that you have. You're just a very, very good human being. I love being your friend. And you can find more about Corey and Still Point Wellness at stillpointwell.com. So before we get on to that conversation, just want to steer you to my website, prepo.com. You can find out more about my work as a therapist and also as a coach. And if you want to support this podcast with a financial donation, which it is greatly appreciated to keep doing this, getting this out to you in this professional production way, you can go to the website, prepo.com, click on the podcast page and support the podcast with a one-time donation or a reoccurring donation. You can follow me on Instagram at prepoteplitsky and also at X or Twitter. Oh yeah, and you can go to my website and you can sign up for my newsletters also. Okay, everybody, I hope with this new year that you are having some good relationships, um, some good encounters in your relationships, in your friendships, in your loved ones, in your family. 
And if you're having some troubles in that area, work at it. Try to change it. It's, I believe, the most important thing that we're here as human beings is to have good relationships. You just need to put a little love in your heart. Yep, that's right. That's what we got to do. Yeah. Take a good look around. And if you're looking down, put a little love in your heart. I hope when you decide, kindness will be your guide. Put a little love in your heart. And the world will be a better place in the world will be a better place for you, for you and me. You just wait and see. Yeah. Okay, everybody, here we go. My conversation with Corey Costanzo on dealing with criticism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk about it. brother brother so good was that a test no that wasn't no we're on oh we're on we're on. <laughs> so good to be back here man and i'm on fire right now prepo it's good that you're on fire man because it's cold as shit outside <laughs> <laughs> i feel so good man i'm living the dream i worked with two new beautiful human beings today and several other amazing people that I've been working with consistently and I uh, got a workout in early this morning, got a meditation in after that, got wow. some breakfast. Great day for me and it just feels so good to be back mm. here with you. Nice. What I've been doing that that I feel really good about too is um, in the mornings, the first thing that I'm doing now ever since uh, New Year's Eve, because I spent New Year's Eve uh, getting positive songs on my playlist. Just really good, positive lyrics and songs. I got like 30 of them. So there's around three that I'm really resonating with and I play them first thing in the morning so that that is with me. That that song in my head now is not some random, you know, uh, I'm a joker, I'm a smoker, I'm a midnight talk. Like that's not in my head anymore. <laughs> it's not, you know, it's, it's more about, you know, Thank you for this day, great spirit. Thank you for this day. So I'm I'm enjoying that. And so is Rainbow. She's really enjoying uh, you know, more of my my connection to joy. So that's happening. Yeah. You know, one of my clients today told me how much they appreciate your podcast and that they love it when you sing on the podcast. Ah, nice. They're like, he even sings. It's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a big deal for me to do that. It feels mm -hmm. good to do that. And because of you, I got that uh, pre-post podcast playlist for people that I chose to, the verses that I sing on the podcast are, all the originals are on my show notes. Ooh, yeah. that's great. Yeah, because those are great songs. Those are intentional songs that I'm putting out and yeah. I'm just not random. So so yeah. are you going to are you gonna put the I'm a joker, a smoker, a toker, midnight? You know, yeah, yeah. Did I did I sing that? I don't know if I what? but I'll, I just sang it just now, so I'm gonna I'll put it on there. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. the shadow, right? That's right. Yeah. You can't just put I all love the, that song. All, all the light songs on, man. You gotta no. balance it out. Yeah. 
Now I did one like around, I think it was uh, infidelity or something, putting up boundaries. And I was like, hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more, no. You got to put up that boundary to hit the road, Jack. Yeah. So yeah, I have fun with it. I just yeah. noticed myself wanting to join in, uh -huh. but I stopped myself because I was really shy. <laughs> no, man, that's why I said there's times where I, I uh, if I do it at the end, I even like coax people. Come on, everybody. Like, you know this song, join in with me. You know, so yeah, we need more of that. Yeah. Yeah. More of that and less criticism, you man, know? Let's dive into criticism yeah. because, yeah. yeah, we need to, we need to knock this around. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is an important topic, I think, for relationships and for people in general to yeah. really explore their relationship to criticism and, um, you know, be in choice, whether they're receiving it, be in choice, do I want to receive it right mm -hmm. now or not, you know, learn how to put up boundaries. How do I actually put up the boundary and not criticize the person for criticizing me? Right. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Um and then I want to be in choice when I'm being critical, when I'm criticizing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because to me, there's a big difference between a complaint and a criticism. A complaint to me goes after the behavior of the person. When you showed up at seven o'clock and our plans were for six, and by the way, that's I'm, that's not anything unconscious about you being like 15 minutes late today. <laughs> no, seriously, it's not. I, I just always use that example. When you showed up at seven, when you said at six, that's the behavior. I felt disappointed, uh, disrespected, blah, blah, blah. What I made up in my mind is you don't care about me. That's what we always, I think it's good to say what we made up in my mind. Instead of the criticism of you're irresponsible. Right, that goes after the character of the person. I think criticism goes after character more than it goes after just behavior. So, because I want people to be able to give each other feedback on a complaint of a behavior that they want changed. But the best way to do that is to focus on the behavior and not on this story that you're painting of the person's personhood, I call it. You know, their value system, that they're lazy, that they're inconsiderate, that they're. Right. So that's what criticism sounds like, huh? Yeah, because criticism has contempt in it. Yeah. Right. You always also, I think that's got a nature of it when- Never and always. Never and always. You always do this. Yeah. You never think of me and you're so selfish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. How about like, you know, your family of origin. Cause I know mine, it was like interesting criticism, how, how it came out, you know, with a lot of times it was with guilt that it came out, you know, I don't remember it. There was outright criticism that I felt criticized for, but a lot of it was with an underlying aspect of, of guilt. Um, fine. You know, you just don't care about me then. You know, that, that to me still is like a, a criticism, criticizing my love <laughs> or my care. Mm. And yeah, so how was that for you growing up? I feel like because my parents were immigrants, they came over from Southern Italy when they were teenagers separately and then they met in their later teen years in Brooklyn. 
and got married really young, I feel like there wasn't much room for things to go wrong. Like they had to get it right because getting it wrong was a big threat to their survival. So much at stake. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of it was also generational in that they chose to come to America for a better life, for a better, more opportunities for them and for us. So I feel like there was also, you know, in terms of, of following through, in terms of how they looked to the cousins that stayed in Italy, there was also like, a, all right, we're, make, we're going for this, so we gotta get this right. Yeah, so I definitely grew up uh, where getting things wrong was not okay. And they pointed that out. And they would point that out in subtle ways, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would, I would have to, to, it's a little confusing for me, I have to say, and this is part of a disorganized attachment style that I feel um, that I have. And I've done a lot of personal work in my own therapy with it and and it leads to confusion for me. So to gather my thoughts right now about how it like specific examples of how it manifested is not so easy for me to do right now because I'm experiencing my attachment nervous system right now is kicking in and I'm experiencing a little bit of, of that confusion. And basically it's like, it's like, you know, I needed my parents' love and support and safety from my parents and everything like that. However, I had to put up, I had to put up some boundaries also. Um, and so it was that I had to figure out like what to say in order to be loved and, you know, who I needed to be and how I needed to show up was not really my deep down authentic self. You know, it was like, like I would get the silent treatment if I didn't do something that my mom really approved of, let's say. And so it was very confusing for me because on the one hand, you know, I would receive so much love and mm. so much support and everything like that, but kind of on her terms, you know, and, you know, it's all based on her fears and her trauma and how she was parented and everything like that. And I love my mom dearly and respect her so much for so many different different things that she's done and, and opportunities she's given me. And also, you know, back then in the early 70s, you know, parenting was a lot different than it was today, hmm. especially in the house that I grew up in. Hmm. Was there ganging up with criticism? That happens a lot with, with families. No. One person would criticize the other people then start kind of ganging up and you know it has sometimes it has the guys and with humor you know a gallows humor but it's critical did you have that in that was more with my friend group uh -huh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah right for sure not so much not so much in the house there wasn't much ganging up i mean there was some triangulation you know um that would go on in my in my family system and still does you know and and you know my mom would talk to me about my dad and look to support 
from me, from my dad. And, you know, that was, that was kind of challenging to deal with, you know, cause I wanted my love, I, I wanted the love for my mom. I wanted the closeness and the connection. And a lot of times we would get it from, you know, me supporting her around mm. what was going on with her and my dad. So, you know, in hindsight now, knowing, knowing what I know about family dynamics um, and how detrimental that could be um, to kind of poison the well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I feel that. I feel that now. And I've had some conversations with my mom about it. And as an adult, I've put up a lot of boundaries when my mom would come to me criticizing my dad. You know, I would, in as kind a way as possible, you know, mention couples counseling or therapy or that it was inappropriate, mm. you know, to talk to me about, well, about that. When do you think that you were able to turn around receiving criticism? I know like, you know, growing up and oh. and receiving criticism, you know, I didn't have the the tools to be able to take a lot of ownership at times of it. it I just felt like you know, it was just constant criticism at times. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking first of like when what what was my turning point? But I'm mm-hmm. curious of your turning points of like taking ownership of of hearing some criticism and go, you know, you have a point. Thanks for pointing that out. Like, do you remember those those shifts and how you received it? Absolutely. And it was with when I was at Estelin. Yes, sir. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I did a lot of Gestalt uh, process work in you know lots of different workshops. Um, and processed a lot of my childhood. And, you know, I realized that, I realized that I needed to put up boundaries and I had to be in choice of, of, um, of the criticism. And, and really it became glaringly, obvious. I mean, it's almost funny when I, when, I, when I say it now, but it's around my losing my hair. So my mom, bless her heart, as we say in the South, bless her, bless her heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, she really did not take it easy. Can, can I just pause you? That I lost but, my hair. I, I, I want you to pause that because I want to just stick. That's something that I wanted to uh, choose this year to do more of less criticism of people uh-huh. and just say, you know what? Bless their heart. Uh-huh. I told that to Rainbow just like last week. So yeah, yeah. thanks for that reminder. Yeah, you know, when yeah. I talk about somebody's shit, I just want to say, you know what? Bless their heart. Bless their heart. Yeah. So go ahead. So good. Yeah, so you know, it's my early 30s, I'm losing my hair. And my mom my mom sends me these all these tonics and all these all these things Rogaine and to, whatever. Yeah, shit. yeah. You know, and and you know, well, gosh, one of them and this is the turning point. This is the exact moment that it happened was when she sends me this device. It's like uh it's actually I've heard that it's actually pretty effective for hair growth however um at the time it was a newer product and it's a laser and it's only about an inch of a laser and you had to hold it there for like 60 seconds would it get hot was it no infrared? it didn't get hot it was like yeah. infrared and then you would move it another inch every 60 seconds so to do the whole head Jeez. took about an hour right and you were supposed to do it every day. And, and you know, she told me she bought it. It was like 500 bucks or something like that. And she mails it to me. And, and I was like, okay, you know, she bought it for me. Let me, let me try it. So I'm, I'm doing it. And, 
after like the third day, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? I was like, I was like, I don't mind that I'm losing my hair, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I just started buzzing it all the time and just keeping it, you know, really, really short. Like, uh, cause it's pattern baldness, you know? So mm -hmm. I was keeping it like the rock, you know? And, um, and, and that was when I really realized, I was like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Like, like I love myself and I love my hair less head. <laughs> <laughs> so then when she'd ask me about that, you know, I'd be like, no, mom, I'm not, I'm not using it anymore. You know, I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stay without any hair, hair in my head. Oh, but sweetie, you, you know, you could do that. You could do. And then I just started going like this, mom, I feel, I feel like you love, would love me more if I had hair on my head. No, what are you talking about? I love you. That's, that's, no, no, no. I'm just telling you how I feel. Like, I don't feel unconditionally loved by you when you talk about how I'm keeping my hair. So just know that I feel, un if you want to love, if you want me to feel loved unconditionally by you the same way jesus loved unconditionally you know throwing some jc in there <laughs> you know um then you won't really buy me this stuff and expect me to spend this time that i don't really want to spend growing my hair back and that was the turning point when i had that conversation because then i realized that th that was gonna be my way out of criticism. So from that moment on, anytime I felt criticized by her, I would say, I would say things like, Hey mom, so you just told me something that I could do differently at my house, like clean the baseboards or something like something like that, because they're dirty when you come visit. I'd like you to tell me five things that you appreciate about my house that you think is beautiful about my house. Oh, it's all beautiful. No, no, no. I want to hear five things. So that was the antidote for me was, was to give her an opportunity to give me appreciation and really not back down. And I would just sit and stare at her and be like, okay, come on, bring it on. And she'd go through the five things and then we'd laugh and I'd hug her. And, you know, and so I kind of, I kind of really turned around the criticism and, and, and sure enough, the criticism really uh, started to taper off because it meant that she was going to have to then use the brain power, you know, to point out five, five things that she really appreciates. And it's great that you didn't uh, react with her with more criticism back or, you know, why don't you just appreciate me? All you do is just criticize me instead of giving her the opportunity and the invitation. You know, mom, what I would love if you could do is look. And so that's a whole different way of inviting, you know, that, um, uh, because I do believe that appreciation is a huge antidote to, to criticism. The more appreciation that you have in a relationship, you're going to look and find and search for more of what you appreciate as opposed to focusing on criticism, which that's what criticism does. Of course, it focuses on more criticism that you see lack in what you don't like. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have a little bit of, um, a habit. I've developed a habit of um, pointing out things that my wife Robin um, 
will do if she does something that I think could be more successful, you know, um, or could be done differently. Hey, love, have you ever thought about, yeah. or how do you, how do you yeah. start it? What do you do? What the fuck are you doing? You could be doing this a different no, way. I would never say that. <laughs> um, I'd get a big hand in my face if I said that. Um, how does it, how does it sound? I, I definitely couch it in sweetness for sure. And, um, and she is so good at put up putting up boundaries. Whether you know? she wants to hear it or not. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. She'd be like, she'd be like, you know, the handle go up and she'd be like, you know, I'm really not open to criticism right now. I'd be like, I'm not criticizing. And she'd be like, well, whatever you're doing, I'm not open to it. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like criticizing. Sounds like criticizing to me, but yeah. 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 So, you know, her and I have actually did done a lot of work in our in our couples in our couples work together about how to shift out of that dynamic so when she says i'm not hey, hey stop i'm not open for criticism right now do you feel that she's open later on for you to give feedback and either the same way that you felt it was coming out of you know more groundiness and kindness or that you readjusted but you're able to come back as opposed to always getting stonewalled by her yeah sometimes what i'll do is i'll put it on a note app you know, mm -hmm. and, and and ask her, hey, when do you think you will be open to receive this, mm -hmm. this feedback? Right. You know, feedback, because that's an important mm -hmm. one to ask, right? Hey, are you open for, to, for mm -hmm. some feedback right now? That's different than, even though it, the person might take it as, oh, you're going to just criticize me. But if you make an agreement as a couple of like, hey, we're going to give each other feedback. Like Rainbow and I, we started doing that a lot with parenting. We would say, she would say, hey, are you open for some feedback of how you just had that discussion with Xander? And I'm thinking, oh, shit, man, she's going to. But the way that she presented it was, you know, it was lovely. She goes, I know that you really want to have a close and trusting relationship, but I'm wondering when, you know, you were disgusted with him and you walked out of the room. I don't know if that's going to really help you get what you want. You know, so it was, it was presented in a good way, but we would check in. That's the gold standard right yeah. there. And I, I feel like if Robin and I were able to do that with one another, you know, all the time, Ooh. that our conflict would be so much less. And I imagine that, you know, I know for me too, when there's so much freaking going on in life and you're going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, that finessing is really challenging to stay present in. So it really can come out harder. Like, why, why are you doing this this way? You don't need to do it. Instead of, hey, hon, can I point out that I think there might be a better way to do that? Are you open to Like, if I have more space in my life, that's when I'm able to do more of that kind of uh, communication. Yeah. I'm interested in talking about uh, some covert criticism. Because you're reading a book right now. Oh, my gosh. This book is rocking my world right mm. now. The Covert Passive Aggressive Narcissist. That's the title of the book mm. by Deb Mirza. And I am just eyed, eyes wide open. And it's I have been recommending this book for probably about two years now. And I never actually read it myself. I just read read the title <laughs> and i'm like oh yeah oh yeah this book is spot on so i read and everyone that i recommend it to my clients are like holy crap like bullseye like i can see through these these 
covert behaviors um, that my partner is doing. And thank you so much for recommending the book because now I I can arm myself with this information. So now I can protect myself you know, against these covert behaviors. Like um, one of them is like, sometimes a partner will give another partner crumbs of emotional connectedness and, you know, love and attention, like crumbs, like just enough to keep the person like wanting more, but then just kind of turn away and orient away from that. And then when the person starts like realizing, then they'll give a little bit more, but it's not like a constant, consistent flow. It's very inconsistent. And that's kind of like a, that can be a manipulative tactic from somebody to keep the other person, um, you know, engaged, engaged in the relationship. So covert narcissism, meaning like on the surface, they seem great. They seem awesome. Their whole social network is like, wow, you're so lucky. This is such a great guy or great, great, great woman, like such a great mom or dad. And, you know, but really beneath the surface and behind the scenes, you know, it's anything but that. And so how does criticism show up in that way? It's more like gaslighting. Mm-hmm. You know, is one of, is one of the ways. So it's like, can you yeah. explain gaslighting? Because people, I'll, I'll try. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she does a great job of it yeah. in the book. But every time I try to explain it, Robin's like, "No, Corey, that's not <laughs> gaslighting." <laughs> yeah, you quit gaslighting me. Yeah. yeah. So the way I think of gaslighting is is like, it's like if somebody tells me their experience. I will um, disagree with what they're telling me their experience is, or I will discount their experience or like make up like a defense against what they're experiencing to let them know that that's not what's really happening. Mm, yeah, right. Discount somebody else's experience. Right. And that your experience is the reality and theirs isn't. Right. Right. Yeah. Can you think of an example? Um, an example of of gaslighting. Um, well, I think even just totally, you know, disregarding somebody's experience of uh, being even like criticized, you know, in some way. If I say, "Wow, I really think that all you're doing right now is telling me what I'm doing wrong," and that feels like criticism to me. If I say, "I'm not criticizing you. That's your own." That's your. That's absolutely your your own perspective of it. They're not even taking a pause to look and say, "Hmm, yeah, I just told you five things to improve about yourself. I didn't tell you anything that you're doing okay. Yeah, and now I just discounted your experience that you were criticized. So that is gaslighting. Good one. Also, like, let's say a partner a partner says. You know, hey, I haven't heard from you all day and I want to make sure everything's okay because normally you call me during the day. Like, you know, are you doing okay? Like, um, oh yeah, I'm doing fine. Yeah, there's absolutely nothing wrong. No. And let's say like if that partner was really like doing something that they were hiding from that person, 
that's also a form a form of gaslighting when like you know one partner is like tapping into like an intuition that something's not mm -hmm. right in the relationship yep. and they bring it up and then the other partner's like no you're crazy like right. like no i'm doing what i always do but yeah. you know meanwhile you know they're like having yeah. an emotional affair or they're having a, a, a sexual a, affair. a sexual affair or yeah. Um, you know, yeah. going gambling or something like that. You yeah, know? and you find that a lot with addiction, with hiding addictions, drinking, and drugs. Absolutely, and absolutely. I mean, not that gambling is bad in and of itself, but I mean, like you know, if the if the rules of engagement, you know, are that like you know, we talk about if you're going to go gambling, if you're going to go drinking with your buddies or whatever, let's talk about it beforehand so that I know, mm -hmm. and then and then if if that partner just do you, doesn't do it do you feel that um you know w w what amount of truth do you feel i think i'll caveat it as this is how i present a lot is what's going on in my reality that i know when i am receiving criticism and really getting hurt by a lot of criticism it's also because i have some of that internal critic myself because if somebody criticized me and i thought like if you criticize my parenting like would say, man, I really think that you're really kind of a shitty father. Part of me is like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Like, that's not my reality. So I wouldn't let it in. I wouldn't let that criticism in. Maybe it wouldn't feel good. It's like, can't you see me? You know, you're not really, you know, you're criticizing me as a friend about it. And that's not a reality to me. Sure, there's moments that I am judgmental about my parenting, but overall I don't criticize it. So how much I'm criticizing myself is also to the level of maybe my irritation or feeling hurt about the criticism. Not feeling, you know, that I'm doing a good enough job by somebody is also in the back of my mind that am I really doing a good enough job? Because if I was, I would say, man, I'm doing a good enough job, man. It's, you got something up your ass today. Yeah, I, I experienced a lot of that in my own relationship because you know Robin and I are doing so much you know we have uh, a business with 20 plus employees we have several businesses actually you know we're incubating two other businesses within still point wellness you know the uh, classes and workshops side of things and then producing workshops and um, we're just always learning and growing and doing so many things, raising two children. And, um, you know, we have like a little micro farm with animals and um, we're really, we're really doing a lot. So often we have to, we have to choose where we put our energy and very often the housework will, um, will be the last thing to get done. And, you know, it's something that her and I just kind of flow with in terms of, in terms of, um, how much of that stuff gets done and, and who does it and like how we share it and stuff. But like there are, there are times when she'll feel criticized and extra sensitive, you know, if, if I mention anything about like, you know, if I'm having like a heavy, heavy client load week and I don't really have time to do much housework, then, you know, if I mention anything about the dishes or about dinner, you know, if dinner wasn't, wasn't made or something like that, I'd be like, oh, I expected you to make dinner. Then 
she'll feel super criticized. And I think it really taps into, you know, a deeper, a deeper insecurity that she right. has from family of origin and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think you're spot on, spot on with that, you know, which is why I just love the self-inquiry process. Like, yeah. you know, if if I'm doing my work, you know, my inquiry work, if I'm meditating, if I'm doing self-care, if I'm you know, seeing my counselor on a regular basis and like, just like exploring that I'm defending much less. Yeah. And I can, and I can take it in. And you know, the same with Rob. And, and vice versa about criticizing. If I'm doing my own work of self-love and compassion and accountability, I'm, there's going to be less criticism outwardly to other people. Right. Because I'm going to give them more of the benefit of the doubt as I'm giving myself. So if yeah. I'm not giving myself the benefit of the doubt, I'm criticizing more externally also. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, there's also on the far end of the spectrum, so just to bring it back to covert narcissism, it's it's like, it's a spectrum, right? Like for anybody out there that's um, that doesn't really know much about personality disorders or about like personality labels, you know, um, it's a framework. It's a way to, it's a way to like name behaviors and experience and it, and, and it's typically these behaviors like, um, like narcissism or like placating, appeasing personality, um, avoidant personality, you know, it's a spectrum on the far end of this, on the spectrum, it could be disordered, meaning like the person has some, is losing relationships because Correct. of it, you know? And it's like, it's like, you know, really ingrained deeply in their, in their personality and psyche and stuff. And on, on the other end, Tendencies. You know, just tendencies, right? And we all got them and we all have parts of each and every one of them, right? It's like, it's like, I mean, babies are narcissistic by nature, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, right? And, gimme, and, gimme, gimme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're trying to get their needs met, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, part of having a healthy ego structure and is self-care and, and, you know, there's a fine line between like when I'm being, when, when I'm using self-care, but then too much self-care then it's impacting my children because then I'm not like making their lunches. I'm like having long hour long meditations in the morning instead of like get, helping them get ready for school or expecting my partner to do it all. And because mm -hmm. I'm meditating, you know, and mm -hmm. really that's like a covert narcissist thing to do, or, or it could be an overt narcissist, you know, part of part of someone's personality, right? So it's just ways to unlabel and understand like what's where someone's coping mechanisms are in their life, like how they show up. And typically it's based on early childhood um, dynamics, right? So, it, and, and a lot of it's protection, you know, and a lot of it lives in the subconscious. So just, you know, people nowadays throw the word narcissist out and narcissism out very willy nilly, mm -hmm. you know? And, and I like to think about it like in a very, you know, I, I try to be um, very humanistic about it and like not judge somebody. Like if someone has narcissistic makeup or, or like, you know, a strong narcissistic part of their personality, like they're doing the, likely doing the best they can, what they know, what they've been given in childhood. And, um, you know, when does it become a disorder? It is like when it's really impacting somebody else negatively. But it's harder when you're in a relationship with it. It's easy. Harder, it's easier yeah. when there's a distance of the relationship, some person in your periphery. But it's very difficult when it's like right in your face every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's why, you know, it's just so important to, to be open and honest and have healthy boundaries and really, you know, be different, healthy differentiation, you know, cause like, um, if you're engaged in a codependent relationship, then your style can become dependent on the other person's style. So if there's, if there's an avoidant style happening and then there's a narcissistic style happening, you know, that could cause a lot of conflict. If there's an anxious style happening where it's like, I need to know where you're at at all times. And then there's a narcissistic style in the other partner, uh, then that's going to feel very smothering for that person with the, with the narcissistic style. And like, it's just, or if they're an avoidant with an anxious person, that's going to feel extremely smothering. And that can really lead to a lot of, a lot of conflict. Mm-hmm. I just kind of talked myself in circles because I had a I had a good concept uh, about covert narcissism, but I just lost it. There's a confusion again. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. But with oh, covert- here it is. Here it is. It's that it's that um, covert narcissism. Very often, a covert narcissist will project onto onto their partner what they can't look at in themselves. And this is a very common feature of a narcissist is that they will blame their partner for what they're doing themselves. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what I wanted to say. Yeah. 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 So it comes out as criticism a lot. Yeah. And that's an entrenched one. Boy, that is a really hard one for, you know, cause then the person that's criticized they throw that back and say, well, you're criticizing me for exactly what you're doing. And they, it just goes back and forth. Yeah. That, that's an entrenched one. And I really think that it, when, you know, the healing process of aspects of our own criticism and exploring it is also checking ourselves. And, and I know that I need to check and say that interaction, you know, was there energy of criticism, you know, did I, did I not really speak to it? Did I wait? Sometimes people wait and wait for it to build up and it comes out in criticism instead of saying at the moment, mm-hmm. I have an irritation, you know, speak to the irritation or like, hey, is there another way that you can do that? Could you also, you know, turn down the music as opposed to music is loud, music is loud, music is loud. And then finally, I'm like, would you turn down the fucking music? You're always blah, 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 blah. And that comes out. So I think a lot of people don't know how the subtle moments to bring something up that's that's bothering them or to let it go and to not make a big deal out of it. Yeah, I think that comes right out of family of origin, it not being it not being safe in family of origin to really for a kid to express their their true authentic self. Yeah. You know, because a lot of times parents will not, will have a codependent relationship with their kids. Like they will, they will um, give love when their kid is doing what they want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and um, you know, a lot of times that sends the message to that kid that they don't matter, uh, that they have to hide their true and authentic self. 
mm-hmm. and they don't feel worthy on a subconscious level of expressing their truth, of expressing their desire, like what they want, you know? It's like, it would be top-down parenting in that in that yeah. style. And then that kid doesn't really connect with what they want until it builds up and builds up and builds up. And conflict in those family systems is very, is is dangerous. So right. they avoid conflict as much as possible until it just comes out sideways. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like the root of, let's say, somebody that has a lot of narcissism, covert or overt narcissism in their personality makeup. The root of that is really in early childhood, not being safe to really express express themselves um, and having to having to uh, hide their true self yeah yeah so few parents out there so important to listen as much as you talk to your children and really see them as brilliant see them as just as valid um you know and, and involve them their experience is just as valid as yeah. yours is as a as a parent involve them as much as you can in decision making and you know, empowering them to have a voice yeah. and that means parents have to self-care empty their cups so they got the room to hear and make room for their for their kids what was coming up for me when you talked is also you know the the parenting style or the the person that believes um i need to you know in their mind i need to tell you i i I need to be hard in order to uh, mold or create you into a resilient human being. Because the world is hard. The world's hard. No one's going to give you anything for free. Exactly. So I'm going to tell you these things that you're doing wrong. You don't need to be sugarcoated and just tell everything that you're doing right. You need to harden up. And, you know, I mean, it's prevalent in our society, especially in sports. I, I hated when I had a coach that motivated with criticism, mm. yelling and shouting and, mm-hmm. you know, and toughen up the young man. Nah, that, to me, that does, you know, that look, look, look what's happening with, sure, the horrors of war and everything, but also, you know, toughen up the young soldiers and everything and the emotional uh, uh, collateral damage that also happens from just being beaten down and told what to do and criticized. Yeah, when winning starts to become the most important thing, then that kid is gonna is gonna right. That kid's gonna grow up to be an adult that doesn't see um, the win win in situations. Exactly. That that you know sees power as a um, as a as a as a win lose. Yeah. thing whereas like and their own self-esteem is just going to get shot if the, all they heard from their parent was yeah. what they were doing wrong right in order to do it right then they're not enough right and they take that into their relationship and then they can't even hear an appreciation yeah. and take it in because they don't under not underneath believe have that belief system all right so what i'm hearing you say is that like number one is number one is is to really try to recognize the difference between criticism and feedback and learn how to give feedback in a way that doesn't take a dig at your partner's um, or friend, you know. Mm-hmm. Child, yeah. The parent, yeah. At, at their character. Right. So it's to, you wanna name the behavior. 
Right. Yeah. That's yeah. like the number one thing that I hear that I hear you saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that takes awareness in order to do that, right? Yeah. That takes slowing down, thinking about how you feel in a certain situation. And how that behavior affects us. And how that that behavior affects us. Mm -hmm. Because I think we're just focusing on the behavior and it can come out more critical of you're doing this and your behavior as opposed to this behavior that you're doing affects me in this way. Yeah, I want you to know how it affects me. So hopefully you'll be motivated to hear and maybe change. Yeah, that's right. You know, you know, I like that. I want to add to that that very often um, I will criticize because really what's going on is that I don't feel comfortable with the outcome. Like I don't like let's say I'll criticize Robin or you know, give her feedback about something she can do better, or something, or something like something like that. And really, what it is is like, is like, I feel sometimes that I want to look good in other people's eyes. Mm. And if I'm with Robin and she's doing something, you know, that chewing her food like a cow or whatever it whatever it might be you know i mean i'm i'm the one who's that's funny you say that because they always get on me for not being mindful of the way sounds that come out of my mouth when i chew but anyway yeah so so you know that's some of the yeah. work that 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 um that i've been doing especially since reading this book covert passive aggressive narcissist i see some behaviors in myself um, that are on that spectrum of mm. narcissism that I'm starting to, you know, have eyes wide open about, and it's been a wild ride for me to start taking responsibility for um, how I'm showing up in a way um, that is, you know, in line with with some of these covert narcissistic behaviors that I'm reading about in the book. And it is, it's been a wild ride for me personally. Mm. And I'm open about it. I talk to Robin about it. I talk to my kids about it. Um, it's funny to hear their responses. Like <laughs> Sophie is like, wait, Sophie is like, uh, yeah, dad. We all knew that. Like we all knew that <laughs> like the time when it was my, it was my seventh uh, birthday party at Montessori school and you came in and out of nowhere, you went in the middle of the circle and started doing breakdance moves. <laughs> She's like, yeah, she called me out. She called me out on that one. And of course I felt myself wanted to defend like, right away. And then I just stopped it. I, I just stopped myself and I just took it. I was like, yeah, I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, so I say that because, you know, I think all of us can can um, benefit from from feeling into when I'm giving criticism, you know, or quote feedback, you know, it's a fine line between feedback and criticism, right? Like, okay, let me just think like, what's beneath the surface? What's going on here right now? Like, is this for them? Like, is this really something in me that I'm actually needing to look at and I'm just projecting it onto them? And the last five times I interacted with them, was it telling them what to do or criticizing what they do? Yeah. Or did I appreciate them? Because I think right. that, cause that does happen. Sometimes we're not aware that 
Well, because again, wherever you focus expands. So if I'm critical about this, I'm gonna choose to be critical about that. But I think we have a tendency to just pile it on and think that we're just giving constant feedback. You know, even the, to let go of some of the little things of like, you know, criticizing somebody for using the blue towel instead of the red towel in the kitchen. It's, it's kind of like, you know, back off a little bit. You know, that everything doesn't need a fucking comment. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because even though it's like, I want to do it, you know, I want to make sure everything's fine and in order, but it, it can come across criticism because you're looking for perfection and you're being critical for a mistake or it not doing it the exact right way. So I think there's a fine balance like around really backing off of like not constantly bring it to the person's attention. Pick your battles, right? It's like pick your battles. You know, I see that with parents sometimes and their kids. It's like, make sure you look at them in the eyes. Right. Make sure you say thank you. Did you do this? Did you do that? Don't do that. Oh, God, look what you just did over there. Yeah. yeah. Didn't you think before you did that? You just come on, come on. You know, like that kind of engagement with a child is no bueno. Mm -mm. No. No. Mm. So if anyone's out there listening that's, you know, that slips into that mode, no. I slipped into that mode before in the past. So, you know, some self-compassion. Yeah, that please. came out pretty natural the way you would give those give yourself <laughs> self-compassion, please. Yeah. You know, we're doing the best we can. And just, you know, I really invite yeah. you to, to, you know, to really notice when you slip yeah. into that and take a few breaths and really look at the bigger picture. The yeah. bigger picture is like the nervous system and really creating a sense of safety for that child, safety yeah. to make mistakes and say, you know, connection. And our, and our partner, you know, to, because we're all human beings. And to me, you know, just like, you know, just ending on a note of just real basic for all of us is like criticize less and appreciate more. Just just do that, you know, just start there. Just appreciate more and criticize less. And then you can figure out how to give feedback and how to receive back. But just, just even throughout the day, just even just list in your own mind experience, how much was I criticizing and how much, you know, yeah, I think that's a big one. Yeah. Um, criticize less. Wouldn't that be a nice practice? Like at the end of the night, you're about to go to bed and you just start reflecting on the day. Okay, I criticized 10 times versus, you know, five times appreciation. Okay, yeah. tomorrow I'm gonna try to flip it. Yeah, and not talk ourselves into that it was warranted and it was needed, it justify it and defend the criticism. Just like, no, that, that I was being critical and looking at that. Mm. Yeah. I see a bumper sticker or a, or a t-shirt out yeah, of that, you, you know? Uh, appreciation is greater than, with the greater than sign, criticism. There you go. Whoever, it's gonna come out now. It's in the airways. Yeah. Yeah, babe. Yeah. I'm a joker. I'm a smoker. I'm, I'm a midnight toker. Yeah. I don't know the rest of the word. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be no more, whatever that is. Thanks, brother. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Love yeah. you, man. Love, love you, you so much. Appreciate mm -hmm. you and our friendship. And I care for you and your family yeah. so much. So, and so now we're going to hang. And thank you so much for that. I know you care about my family so much. And I do yours. And 
So we're going to do a little hang and, and share what's going on in our lives. Yeah. So I look forward to that. Absolutely. Relationships, Let's Talk About It, is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more about licensed counselor Prebo Teplitsky, visit prebo.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling or therapy, medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Thank you.